0: Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, Mother-Daughter Team, Dr. Gloria, and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation, with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. The topic today is writing to heal the loss of a husband and a child. And our second guest is Diane Rooks. As a master storyteller, Diane Rooks found healing after the death of a husband and son in the stories that she heard and told. On this show, Diane reveals how we can use our stories to repair even the most shattered lives. She is the author of Spinning Gold Out of Straw, How Stories Heal. Welcome to the show, Diane. Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: Hi, Diane. It's great to have you on the show. I'm looking at your book right now and I have to tell you, I, I don't know, maybe it's because yellow is one of my favorite colors and blue. But your book, Spinning Gold Out of Straw, when I pick it up, it's just like, wow. (laughs) It's like sunlight coming through, how stories heal. Uh, Wonderful. Well, before we get into your book, could you talk a little bit about um, uh, the death of your husband and then raising three kids on your own, right, and then your son's death? You've really been through a lot.
2: Well, my husband died back in 1981, so it has been a long time. But at that time, I did have three children. They were ages 16, 13, and 9. And um, I, don't, I don't know that I really did handle his death. And, and looking back, as well as I could have, everybody was trying to rush me through it and tell me, you've got to...
1: How old were normal. you then, just for...
2: I was 38. Yeah. Wow. wow, you were young. And uh, everybody was trying to help me uh, get on with my life and take care of me. And I was in graduate school. I had gone back to school, so I was in school. And... They just kept saying, you've got to keep everything as normal as possible for the kids. You don't want to upset the kids. And so I was trying so hard to do all of that. And one night I just had a meltdown, though, and I just said, look, you guys, you know, I wasn't cut out to be a single mom, and I'm not very good at it. And if you don't shape up, I'm out of here. <laughs> and of course, I was kidding. But um, when I said that, it kind of got their attention, and it kind of opened a way for us to talk about what was going on and, what, and how we were dealing with it, which wasn't very very good and later that night my son david who was 16 at the time he came in my room and he said mom i don't want you to be like miss green and i said what do you mean and he said my friend jeff green his dad died several years ago and mrs green is just the most miserable person in the world she makes jeff's life miserable she makes everybody she knows miserable and i don't want you to be like miss green because it would be such a waste and I thought, what wisdom from a 16-year-old? You don't even want to believe that they have any, but they do.
0: Wow, and so yeah. I
2: started looking at, at that and, and trying to see, you know, you don't want to just waste away. But, and you can't just blunder your way through it. But that's what people were trying to get me to do. So I was trying to, to to help the kids get on with their life and me get on with mine and do, be in graduate school and learn how to do the finances and things I had never done. What
1: were you studying, just for curiosity, in graduate school? I
2: was studying organizational psychology.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And coincidentally, um, right after my husband's death, I had a huge report that I had to give on uh, team building or some such thing at a time when I couldn't even think of my name most days. <clears throat> And so, how I even got through that, that report, or that it was an oral report, or the class, or anything, is amazing. But you know, somehow you do it. You just keep putting one foot in front right. of the other. I guess. Yeah,
1: you just pull yourself together. What do they say? Fake it till you make it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then exactly. here that wise son of yours, David, at age twenty-nine, died of an insect bite.
2: Yes. Yes, he did, and and that was, and in, in many ways, a, an even harder experience for me, and and, and and also in many ways, it forced me to go back and re-look at some things that when my husband died that I had kind of pushed under the rug that I could no longer do. With the death of my son, none of the old answers and any of the things that people had said made sense anymore, so it was time to start really over and, and rebuild a foundation that did I could people,
0: Did your friends give you different messages when it was the death of David versus your husband? Because you said with your husband, they were saying, hurry up, get on with your life, get back to normal. Were those the same messages when David died? Um, there was, some of that went
2: on. And there were, of course, the ones, you know, God needed an angel in his choir and some of those really trite things that, that now when people I hear people saying things like that I just say you know what that really isn't helpful I, I, I decided it was part of my mission to tell people when they said things it was that were not helpful so with
0: the,
2: with the son it was it was probably a, a, there were some different ones but they were still not very helpful and um, people, I know that people mean well but they say the stupidest things you know yes. and, and the, only the good die young and you know things like that yeah <laughs> it was
0: his time
1: yeah, right, yeah. and that's not helpful. It's not but, too bad sometimes to kind of keep your hate
2: list of quotes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I right, hate you know, I of have quotes. a lot of them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and people, of course, tell me when I do programs with people who, who are in grief, they tell me some of the things people say to them, and you just can't believe it. And yet I look back and think, I probably said some of those same things before I, I was aware. I would but, also think it would be
0: frightening for people to hear that you can die from an insect bite.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it is, because, well, and a lot of people, you know, carry around the EpiPens now, and they know that, but you don't want to really admit that something that trivial can, can, can
0: cause you a just
1: death. I'm sure our audience would like to know a little bit more about where was he and what happened. And
2: Well, he was at home by himself and um, working in the yard, and we actually never even knew what, what kind of uh, insect it was because he just... His wife came home from work and found him dead, holding the cordless phone turned on. So it was fairly quick. And um, we assumed that it was heart because his father had died of a heart attack at a really young age. But then the autopsy came back, and it wasn't heart. His heart was fine. And uh, so it took a long time to find his insect toxin level was elevated. But by that time, we didn't know if it was a bee or ants or spider or what. But neighbors had seen him out in the yard, so... Prob, most likely, it was bees because there were it was in the fall and there were a lot of bees around. So, um, and now
1: did he, he have he, children? So, do you have grandchildren? Or
2: uh, he did not have children. He his wife was expecting their first mm-hmm. child. She was only two months pregnant, and right. I didn't even know that they were expecting. So, when I was when I heard that, in fact, I thought at first when I first heard it, I thought, well, thank goodness there are no children involved, so that 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 won't. We won't have to deal yeah, with that. Yeah, you always
1: look for some little Ray, right?
2: Right, right. And then later I thought, when, when, I, when I found out there were children, there was a child to be, it was like having a piece of him still. So right. I do have David Michael is now 14. Oh, and he's named after his father. He is, he Remember is. Him? And he's just, um, it's just been an incredible miracle because they weren't really even trying to have children at that time. So to, to, to have a, a grandson now... Uh, it's been a, a real healing thing for me, and I tell him Daddy David stories all the time, and he's, he, and I know they work. This is what I tell people all the time. I know it it works to tell stories of people because David Michael has never known his father on this earth. He was he died before David Michael was born, and yet he does have a real sense. For who his daddy was, because of all the stories I tell him, and and when we 're together he 'll say, "Tell me a daddy David story. What was the worst thing my daddy David ever did, or
1: what, <laughs> you know, I love it so you know, he
2: he likes to know things like that. you know what was the biggest trick he he ever pulled on anybody because he knows that he was kind of a trickster and
0: enjoyed doing that kind of thing, so it's oh, I love fun. the questions he 's asking you because he 's really getting a real sense of who his father was, yeah, absolutely, and he never saw him, so
2: um, that's why I know that healing stories are so powerful for connecting us to people who have died. And now,
1: did, now, was it um, <clears throat> the death of your son and then going back to look at your husband? You said you had to revisit. Did you revisit that through stories? How did you get started with the stories?
2: Well, I think I was had already gotten into storytelling, but I was doing it more just for entertainment and schools and and uh, places like that. So after the death of my son, I, I realized people were telling me stories about David. Um, um, I knew people would send me stories. Other so- storytellers sent me stories that they thought would be healing. And I realized what a that there was, they were onto something, and I, I decided to go back to school and get a master's degree in storytelling and really explore how and why these these stories were working.
1: Now, what school gave you a master's in storytelling? That's interesting. Is that I
2: know, I know it is East Tennessee State University. I think there are actually others now that that do, or or at least or or um, offer. Um, Programs in storytelling or folklore or, or different kinds of things. But at that time, East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, was the only place that did that.
1: Well, there's that story core that's going on right mm-hmm. now. Yes. Uh, where people are telling their stories. Do you yes. know who, where did the stories go for story core? I can't remember. Did they go to the government or something? I can't remember. Public. It, public te-
2: uh, radio is collecting them, I'm not, and right. I'm not sure exactly what they're doing. They're archiving them in some yeah. way, and
1: but. I and I sort of think that's what our show's a little bit about too. Is people giving people an opportunity to tell their stories and hear the stories?
0: Yes, right. a lot of the nine eleven families I've worked with have done that, and they said it was incredibly healing just to tell their story in detail in story the StoryCorps. It, uh, I'm sure it was,
2: and I, and I think one of the things that I've learned about story is I've continued to do it and continued to work with it after both the death of my husband and son, is that it, I heard the, the previous people on here talking about sometimes people get stuck in mm-hmm. a particular... Uh, they like to tell the story, but they just get stuck in repeating it over and over and over. But the thing that I get people to do when, they're, when I'm working with them is to kind of put it in a format of once upon a time, you know, this is what, what happened. And, and then one day this, this event occurred and then, but take it one step further to now, here I am. what have I learned? What am I doing with what about what i've learned it's that final step to see what look at what you've learned and what your experience has taught you and what how you can share it with others that you find the healing i I
1: think it or I have, and other people have have told me they that was you know key for them too. love the idea of starting with once upon a time because it takes us kind of out of into a different realm, doesn't it, where we can tell our story. In fact, you could even tell your story not true, that it happened to somebody else completely.
2: Right, right. In fact, sometimes I have people in workshops um, tell each other stories, and then the person that listens tells the other person's story to the group. And there's something about hearing your story from somebody else that adds another powerful dimension. And, And because they discover things in it sometimes that maybe you didn't even discover. So... It, and, it Diane, is, uh, do people usually
0: start their stories after a loss with the way somebody died or on the day that they were born? Well, it, it, lots of different ways. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the,
2: In the beginning, they're just so hung up in the traum- traumatic event that they just kind of repeat that over and over. And it's then later that they begin to look back at, well, you know, how are things before that? That's what makes what happened even more traumatic, I think, sometimes, is to hear what normal life was like. And then one day this event happened, and then, as I mentioned, taking it to the, the final level of, well, this is what I've learned from it and what I've, not that I like it, not that I'll ever <laughs> totally be okay with it, but this is, I have learned some things, and this is what it, that they are and what I want to do with it. So
0: um,
2: I think in, in the beginning, you know, it just changes over time, and, and right afterwards I think all they can really do is just repeat and, the event.
0: And, you know, for me, I mean, I learned, I learned about the depth of a sister's love. I didn't yeah. realize how deeply I loved until I had lost. Exactly. And I mean, I think that's what I hear often with from siblings and parents. Exactly. Now,
1: how in your book you talk about? Uh, I would, by the way, I'd highly recommend this book if you if you want to write your stories to heal. It's really wonderful. It's very full of quotes and it and it's very full of ideas about um, how stories can render meaning from chaos. And I wanted to just pick a couple of things in here, like how do how do stories connect us with the universe?
2: Well, I think when when somebody tells their story, uh, when I tell the story of, about my son, which I called Infinite Resource and Sagacity, because it was a story, uh, uh, a Kipling story, how the whale got his throat, that David liked a lot when he was a kid, and there was a little. Um, a man in there, a man of infinite resource and sagacity, and he loved those that, those words. So the story that I tell about David, you know, I've named it that. But when people hear my story, it gives them permission to tell theirs and to open up and say what did, what they need to say. So it, to hear one story makes you realize, well, ye, well, yeah, I'm not so crazy either. And so you realize that the, out there there there's a lot of people that you can connect to. That, un- that really do understand and and can uh, help you work through your stories
1: and your events. Yeah, I think that's what um, came up for me is what the Compassionate Friends does when we do our group in Palo Alto. Palo Alto here. I'm involved with the group. And what it really does is it does connect us with the universe, doesn't it? When, yeah. When even really one does. or two people hear our story, we begin, it kind of goes out there. And also I think our show, I feel like it connects us with the, the really the Internet with the huge other out,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Amazing. Uh, how about transforming the pain? How does stories help us do that? Well,
2: I think as we as we tell it, um, uh, is, if we help somebody else by telling it, then that you think, well, maybe what I'm going through is is worth it. And then also the stories of, of like the people that were on there before, what they did with what with with their pain and converted it into something uh, that was helping helping other people and. It gradually, the pain never goes away, as you know, but it, it transforms it into something that you can, can live with and, and deal with. And, and the, 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 uh, Actually, the um, things that you've mentioned so far, connecting us with the universe and transforming our pain, are, are each one of those is a chapter in the book. When I started writing it, I didn't even know how to organize it, but as I interviewed people and talked to them about how stories heal them, I came up with these 12 reasons why stories heal and eventually decided to let each of these reasons be a chapter. So each chapter is organized around that particular reason and with examples of, of how that particular um, reason helped other people. And then in the, la- the last one is, is that stories offer hope, because that is ultimately what all of these stories do, is that they offer hope to people that, that they can survive, not that they'll ever get their child or their husband back, but that they can survive just knowing that somebody else did and that somebody else lived through it and that they are continuing and, and, and making something of their life gives people hope. Well, maybe, maybe I can too. So um, I think each of these reasons that it, what became important because they were reasons that people gave that stories had healed them.
1: Now, can you talk a little bit about how they help you restore the future? I thought that was really an interesting chapter. Oh. Well, I've,
2: I've, so many people say at, at the death of a, a child or, or any loved one, you know, my future's gone. I, I don't have a future. and um, Because the future that you planned and that you envisioned is has gone forever. So through telling these stories gradually, w- working through the grief and the pain can h- restore the happiness and the joy that you once had. And, and you can't get there until you get through the pain. I know that. Personally, because I don't think I really did that as well as I mentioned with my husband as I did later with my
1: son's death. But
2: really, if, if you'd have the
1: story that. idea with his death, you, I mean, with your husband's death, do you think you, that would have helped you? What would have helped you?
2: I, I think it would have. I just didn't have the knowledge about stories when he died that I did later. I, had got, I hadn't gotten into that part of my life yet. And so I didn't. Later, actually, one of my daughters said to me, Yeah, I just can't remember much about dad. So I started going back and telling her stories of, of things, that crazy things that he did. You know, the, the day he took our rabbit for a walk on a leash and things like that. I mean, just, you know, and, then she, and then she remembered it. And then that would help her remember something else about him. And then my other daughter said, oh, yeah, and that reminds me. So that's the other great thing about stories is that they prompt you to remember other things. Well, these well and
0: if you can't remember, I think, bringing out old picture books. That, also that's a can trigger terminal. your memory of, of, yeah. of with stories.
2: I think that's true, and, and uh, that they're really good triggers, and or just something that they owned, or something they gave you, or something you know, just to, to try to remember and tell a story about that. Uh, then this it broadens the image and the memory. So much when you can do that.
1: I, you know, this is, so, I, I really think there's a lot of biology connected with this. I think retraining the brain to think in different ways is, is ma- an amazing idea. Um, as far as restoring the future, I was thinking you can rewrite your, I mean, you can write the story of I am now a happy person, you know, even though you're not how one day, five years down you know, how many years down the road, this is what happened to me, and I became really happy, and I became, you know, an astronaut. Or, you know, you can do anything right. you want to do.
2: That's right. In fact, I, I tell people that, you know, how your story ends really is up to you. <clears throat> and and you can envision it, even at a time when <clears throat> maybe you don't have any, you've lost hope, or possi- to begin to think about, well, what could be some possibilities? What could be some
1: new directions, some... I make it out of bed and be able to yeah. mash my socks again
2: that 's right. I mean it starts small, but eventually you can you can see some possibilities that you never thought about and if you think well yeah there, there could be some some possibilities down the road or some opportunities that I never dreamed of. this could take and it does take you on roads that you never dreamed of that 's for sure, and paths and and people to meet and experiences that you wouldn't have ever gone on if you hadn't have been down that path to begin with
1: well Diane thank you so much for being on the show and your book Spinning Gold Out of Straw How Stories Heal I'm sure it can be. you can get it on Amazon it's on our website now do you have a website people can go to? I do it's
2: uh, 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 www.storyjourney.com um,
1: alright and we wish all of our audience luck in thinking about their stories and writing their stories thank you Diane for being on thank our show you. it's been thank delightful you,